Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. While many kids are making their holiday wish lists, the patients at Nationwide Children's Hospital are simply wishing they could be home. But you have the power to make their stay a little brighter. The moment you make a donation, the butterflies on the lawn at Nationwide Children's light up for our patients to see. And that gift brings joy, funds research, and the world's finest care. Please, light up the lawn, light up a life. Give now at nationwidechildrens.org slash give. Good evening, everybody, and welcome inside another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm Mike Bunt, joined alongside Uber Hans. Uh, and a special show today where we're going to break down what our thoughts are on the Bills extending Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean earlier last week. We have a lot to get to uh, on the show today. Obviously, it's a polarizing topic. There's Bills fans that were for the move and Bills fans against the move. And we're going to get into all of that in just one minute here. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw, and it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Allen deep downfield, wide open. Hey guys, welcome into the show. As you can see, no Kevin today. He had to uh, leave last second, but we have Hans joining us. Uh, many of you know him from throughout Cover One's platforms. Uh, he does a lot for us at Cover One. Uh, first, before we get into the topic, Hans, just introduce yourself for those that aren't familiar with you and just talk a little bit about what you do for Cover One. Yeah, uh, Uber Hansen on Twitter is probably my main, where people know me most from. Um, with Cover One, I, I do a lot of writing for them, but I hop on shows from time to time, you know, fill in for people or or get invited on some of like the more paneled style shows. Um, yeah, but I'm all over the place. Twitter, Reddit, just have like websites everywhere. So you, you probably, if you don't know me, um, try to think of like the drunk guy on Twitter. That's probably me. So we have a, a lot to talk about today. Obviously I, I introed it. Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, they recently received contract extensions, keeping them in Buffalo uh, through 2027. I think most fans are for the extensions. They, I think most people in general believe in uh, the direction of those guys leading the, the team, but there is some dissent and uh, there was some hot takes prior to the extensions that maybe a guy like Sean McDermott could be on, on the, the hot seat uh, if he doesn't have a quality season in 2023. 
Today, we're going to go in-depth. We're going to break down every angle, whether or not you think it's a good move, whether I think it's a good move, and the reasons why. We're going to go into uh, Sean McDermott's record with the Bills, compare it to uh, his peers in the league right now, his peers historically uh, in the NFL. Um, how should you grade uh, a head coach? Is it all about wins and losses? Is it about championships, uh, development, uh, doing more with less? And we're going to do some of the same with Brandon Bean. Uh, we're going to take a look at some of his uh, draft classes over the years with the Buffalo Bills and also kind of look into what is required uh, for being an elite GM and keeping your job for an extended period of time with an organization in the NFL. But first off, Hans, I'm, I'm going to get right into it. What are, were your thoughts about the extensions that were given to both of them last week? Are you in favor of them? And did they did the timing get you uh, catch you off guard at all? No, I mean, t to be honest, I was ecstatic about it. I, I, for the first time in my kind of fandom, the Bills are a stable organization, a good organization. Actually, in your intro, Kevin says we're talking about a championship caliber team. Um, I haven't been able to ever say that. And Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are both a gigantic part of that. So, so when I actually heard about the extension, I'll say I was surprised because it wasn't really on my radar at all. But at the same time, just happy that it's done. Through 2027, I can say that this franchise will be stable. We have two people that I believe are leading the Bills and leading them well, one in the front office and one on the field. Um, that's not to say there aren't criticisms that both kind of deserve for certain things, but I think we, you, the Bills have two of the better people at these positions in the entire league. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree with you. I was a little surprised by the timing, but it was supposedly something that had been in the works and already kind of decided for a while now based on reporting since that came out. Before we go into the, the breakdown, I do want to look at some of the, the comments uh, that we got before the show got started by Ebb Tide. Do you want to be competitive for the next five years or do you want to in, maybe win a Super Bowl or do you want to be a predictable franchise uh, with the best reputation for culture and community engagement? I get that, but why not have both? You can have a culture and you can win a Super Bowl. Uh, we see some other comments here from uh, RJ talking about how uh, McDermott has one of the best win percentages in the history of the league. We're going to look into that a little bit and more. Uh, Rick here saying the extensions are genius. Let's first off start with Sean McDermott. We'll break the show into McDermott and then we'll go into Bean afterwards. I think when you're looking at Sean McDermott, the biggest criticism that he gets as head coach of the Bills is that the playoff success doesn't match the regular season success. So when I look at a head coach and how I evaluate head coaches, I look at consistency, winning at a high level, development mm -hmm. out of the players, and what type of success are you having with the quality of roster that you're given? So there's some coaches that might win 9, 10 games a year, but if they're given horrible rosters, they're overachieving. They're not having bad seasons. While there's other coaches that might win uh, 11, 12 games a year, but have the ability to do more. Now, a lot of people would put Sean McDermott in that category where they see the Bills with a Super Bowl caliber roster, at least for the last couple years, that has only advanced to the AFC Championship game once and lost in the AFC Divisional round the last two years. And people are holding that against them, especially the 13 seconds. And then to re have another letdown the next year, uh, kind of getting dismantled by Cincinnati 27 to 10. Now, the reason why I'm okay with the, these extensions and why I don't really give fall into that group of people that are going to kind of get on him for, for falling short 
is one, you have to look at what this franchise was when he first took over. 17 years of missing the playoffs. That first year, when they went 9-7 and seven with Tyrod Taylor, was one of the worst rosters by far in the NFL. He found a way to, to get that team into the playoffs. That right there showed right off the bat, this guy is an above-average coach in this league. And then over the years, he went all in with Brandon Bean on getting Josh Allen. Now, we can say that Josh Allen was a Brandon Bean uh, move and that he deserves all the credit. But let's be real. That, that's a team decision. That They're both highly involved, and they both risked their futures when they drafted Josh Allen, a guy that was polarizing that many people across the league had their doubts about. So you get Allen, you have the one down year, 6-10, and 10, and then in the second season, you advance back to the playoffs. You have your first 10-win season in nearly two decades. That shows growth. That shows development. It shows quick development out of a quarterback that it was expected to take a longer time. Fast forward to 2020. You have one of the best seasons in the NFL. You get 13 wins during a COVID year where it was going to test how you're able to keep a team together. How are you going to be able to handle distractions? How are you going to be able to block out the outside noise? 11-6 and six next year, they battled adversity, ups and downs, but in the playoffs they were playing great ball, probably could have won it all if not for the 13 seconds. And then obviously last year, 13-3, and three, playoff disappointment. But if you just look at it from a regular season success standpoint, McDermott has gotten the Bills to the, the place where they went from being one of the laughing stocks of the league to consistently one of the top elite teams in the NFL. Now, I can, I can hold the playoff record against him, but it is hard to win in the NFL. And we're going to go over playoff records, win percentage in just a second. The fact that he is 37-12 and 12 the last three years, there's only one team better, Kansas City. The goal in the NFL is to put as many consistently good to great seasons in a row and hope that you hit on your opportunity. If the Bills continue to have the success, they're going to have more opportunities. If you get a new coach in here, this the success is not something that should be taken for granted. So th that's my first point. I'll toss it to you. Um, what is your first, I guess, point that would uh, support why you think they should extend him and keep him here longer. Yeah. I like that you brought up the spectrum of coaches, right? You have coaches that win with bad rosters and you have coaches that win with great rosters. I've seen Sean McDermott do it with both that, that team in 2017 was not very good. Tyrod Taylor was a fine quarterback with Sean McCoy was kind of on his last leg, still playing great football, by the way, but they weren't by any means, this incredible roster that, that necessarily should have made the playoffs with any coach. Um, and I know a lot of people say, well, you know, they've kind of backed into the playoffs. The Bengals got them in, you know, that big, that fourth down catch by Tyler Boyd. That's the only reason. Well, no, they, they had to win nine games to even get to that point and have a chance to make the playoffs. They did that. Sean McDermott was a massive part of achieving that. And I actually think the following year, the six and 10 year was even more impressive. I know that sounds crazy. A six and 10 season. How can that be impressive? That was, that might've been the worst roster. The bills have kind of fielded. I, I can't even think of the the closest one to that. Like they had nothing. I think Deontay Thompson was their leading wide receiver that season. So Sean McDermott somehow willed that team to six and ten. They should have been seven and nine if it wasn't for Charles Clay not running back for to catch a football that Josh Allen made an incredible play on. And then you fast forward the past three years, right? Where the Bills are just a perennial Super Bowl contender. 
constantly competing with the best teams in the NFL and beating great teams. It hasn't worked out in the playoffs. And I know that that's frustrating, but it's not easy to win a Super Bowl. It's not easy to win in the playoffs. Sometimes things don't go your way. And a lot of times they haven't gone the Bills way. You you go to the Texans game in that, that first playoff game. I still don't know how they just take that, uh, what would have been a safety. It wouldn't have been a touchdown because of the way the rules work. I don't know how they take that safety away from the Bills. You go to that coin toss. You go to everything the Bills dealt with this past year. And there's always adversity, this weird adversity the Bills have dealt with. It doesn't seem like they've had that one lucky thing that's gone their way. That's not to say that Sean McDermott doesn't deserve criticism. 13 seconds was a massive blunder. Um, He is the head coach of the team. He deserves probably the majority of the blame for that, even if it wasn't his fault. We don't know if the special teams coach at the time called the wrong play. We don't know if the players lined up in the wrong position. But at the end of the day, it's Sean McDermott's job to make sure that that doesn't happen. All that being said, the Bills constantly have a lotto ticket, right? It's all about getting a lotto ticket, making the playoffs, having a chance to go for to go to the Super Bowl. Every year that Sean McDermott's been here, except for Josh Allen's rookie season, the Bills have kind of cashed in on a lotto ticket and had a chance. And having him through 2027, that's just more lotto tickets to me. That's more chances to go and hopefully finally lift that Lombardi trophy. Yeah, and, and as long as you have Josh Allen here, the Bills are going to have a window. I know people talk right. about Super Bowl windows. That's all dumb stuff to me. Like you have a franchise quarterback that's one of the top three in the league. As long as he's in Buffalo, you're going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl, whether you have a top five defense or if you're in the middle of the pack on defense, you have the quarterback that can win games. So I've already talked about regular season win percentage, but something that doesn't really get talked about with the win percentage is that if you look at coaches in the history of the NFL, I'm not talking about active coaches. I'm talking about all time. And Kev had one number that said top 10. I have a different number based on probably a different amount of games coached. Sean McDermott has the 21st best win percentage in the history of the NFL. He wins 63.9% of his games. His record is, let me pull it up right here, 62-35, and and that includes a 9-7 and a 6-10 year where he was adapting and turning things around early on in his tenure in the Bills. We're talking about one of the best win percentages ever in the NFL. And the only active coaches right now that you'll see ahead of him are Andy Reid, who has a 641 win percentage, Bill Belichick at 662, and then Matt LaFleur, who obviously benefited from having Aaron Rodgers. So you only have three active coaches in the league, based on what I'm seeing here, that have a better career winning percentage. And guys like Andy Reid, it took him nearly two decades to win the first Super Bowl. When people are saying, well, he's not an uh, elite coach because he hasn't won a Super Bowl, well... It takes time sometimes in football. Not everybody wins a Super Bowl their first, second, third year with an elite quarterback. Tony Dungy kept falling short in Tampa, got Peyton Manning, finally got over the top. And then sometimes you have coaches that luck out and they they become a head coach because someone did get fired in a, a job and John Gruden took over in Tampa, wins the Super Bowl the first year with Dungy's team, essentially. And then what happens after that? The Bucks went down a spiral, and they didn't win a playoff game again until Tom Brady took over. So really, who was more to credit for that Super Bowl, Tony Dungy or John Gruden? Uh, I think most people would say Tony Dungy is the one that built that team up, and and Gruden is the one that took it above. Uh, But that doesn't happen often. And when you go deeper in winning percentage and you look at the people at the top, you're talking about the guys that have won the championship. So you want a coach that's going to be a consistent winner because they're going to give you more opportunities. And then 
uh, going beyond uh, just the, the current win percentage, I don't think people realize how few coaches in the history of the NFL actually have quality playoff records. People act like, oh, you, you should win 10, 11 playoff games to be a quality head coach. In the history of the NFL, there is only 18 coaches that have won 10 NFL playoff games. Sean McDermott is four and five in his career in the playoffs. And some people would say, well, that's a pretty bad record, especially when you have Josh Allen. The, the ironic part is that four wins in the playoffs puts Sean McDermott 46 all-time in NFL playoff <laughs> victories. I, I know it sounds funny, but he wins another few playoff games. Suddenly you're talking about a guy that's approaching the top 30. So we, we, I think we sometimes take uh, this, this these playoff records for granted. We act like every, he's going to be Marty Schottenheimer if, if he loses again in the playoffs. For those that are unaware, Marty Schottenheimer is 5-13 and 13 in his career in the playoffs. Tom McDermott is 4-5. and five. McDermott would have to go 1-8 and eight over his next eight playoff appearances to have a record as poor as Marty Schottenheimer. He's 4-5 and five with one of those losses being just the craziest loss in, we've ever seen in the playoffs in the 13 seconds. And you mentioned the Houston game as well, where that was one of the craziest losses. You flip those two games, he could be 6-3. and three. We're talking about a quarterback that right now, uh, a head coach right now, that has had two, uh, a few blunders in situational situa- uh, situational football game management situations that were ultimately holding against him because of our disappointment of falling short when we had a team capable of winning it all. While not ag- acknowledging, he's half the reason why we do have a team capable of winning it, winning it all. I'm going to throw it to you, see what your thoughts are on that. I have a few more points that I want to make, uh, but yeah. I want you to have some time to talk. Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically you just, it's almost like you were reading off my notes. We didn't really sync up the notes beforehand, but a lot of the <laughs> stats you just pulled up or the stats I had, the win percentage the the uh, in the regular season and in the, in the playoffs as well. I guess I'll, I'll throw two other points out there. So one thing I constantly hear is, you know, we could find a better coach. There's better coaches out there or, or there's better coaches in the NFL than Sean McDermott that have proven that they can do it. And the names that get thrown out there are people like uh, Mike Tomlin and Jim Harbaugh. Not that these guys will necessarily come to the Bills. And Sean Payton. Sean Payton's the one I hear all the time before he signed with the Broncos. Sean Payton would be a better coach. He's a better head coach than Sean McDermott. And I go back and I look at Sean Payton, right? He has the Super Bowl win back in 09. That's, that's great. That was 14 years ago. That's a long, long time ago. Since then, just pulling up kind of his stats, since then, Sean Payton's five and seven in the playoffs. Five and seven. He had just as good a team as Sean McDermott has now with a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees. So this idea that people throw out there, they're like, well, you know, Sean McDermott has Josh Allen. He should win the Super Bowl basically every year. Well, then shouldn't Sean Payton have won the Super Bowl every year with Drew Brees? I I look at things like that, and it's frustrating to hear the criticism all the time. Every time the Bills lose, it seems to be McDermott's fault. Every time the Bills win, he's nowhere to be credited at all. A couple things to kind of talk about in the playoffs real quick. Um, before they even got, I'm, I might be messing up my years now. Before they even got to the AFC Championship game, yep. So the the first time against the Chiefs, they had to go through the the Baltimore Ravens. That was the touchdown pick six with Teron Johnson. That was a defensive masterpiece that Sean McDermott's hands were all over against a player that was the unanimous MVP the year before. People don't talk about that because 
Josh Allen didn't have a good game that day. The defense stepped up and actually propelled the Bills to move them forward in the playoffs. I also go back to this year, and I feel like I'm fighting this fight every single week on Twitter. It's kind of driving me crazy. People look at the scoreboard of that Dolphins-Bills game this this year in the playoffs, and they say, well, you know, the Bills defense played horribly. The Bills defense didn't play horribly. Josh Allen had a terrible game. If it wasn't for Allen's turnovers, the Bills blow them out of the water. But instead, the Bills defense had to bail out their superstar quarterback this year. And actually, if you go back and look at Allen's playoffs in You should have a warning label going across the bottom of the screen whenever we say something that's not good about Josh Allen, because I don't want to be losing a million viewers, but... Uh, go ahead. I, I I do agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, preach, preach some more. Allen just simply didn't have a good good playoffs this year. He didn't. I, I don't really think there's any way to say he did. He wasn't good against the Bengals. Wasn't great against the Dolphins. The defense had a great game against the, against the Dolphins. They held the the. Uh, the Dolphins to 24 points, but more often than not, they were already in scoring position. So the Bills defense essentially said, Hey, we're not going to let you get any more yards, kick a field goal. We'll, we'll live with that. In fact, the Dolphins only had uh, more than one first down, I believe on two of their 15 drives. So essentially the Bills defense was stymieing them all day. It just goes to the point that the Bills fans and NFL fans in general always need someone to blame, and they don't want to blame beloved players. Players, you don't want to blame them basically ever, so you go to the coaches, and that's why I believe Sean McDermott's getting so much flack, when in reality, if it wasn't for McDermott, I don't think the Bills are anywhere near where they are right now, not only because of the way he built up this organization, but because of his coaching kind of abilities and acumen. I'll talk about it, I guess, a little bit later, but one thing that I kind of goes under the radar with Sean McDermott, he's the, I believe he's the best defensive backs coach in the NFL. And I think that's a massive reason the Bills are as good as they are. I agree with a ton of that, Uber. And when we need quality and accessible health care at a minimal cost, get Antidote Health. We offer individual and family plans with zero co-pays for online doctor visits 24-7, pediatric visits, mental health care, and more. Some plans even have a cashback benefit, and you'll get access to top-tier providers like Cleveland Clinic. Open enrollment has started, so sign up today at antidotehealth.com start. Dollar co-pays and cashback not available on all services or prescription drugs. Consult your plan for more information. The era of automotive advances with the all-electric Polestar 2. Now with faster charging, improved EPA-estimated range of up to 320 miles, and advanced safety technology. It's time you move up to Polestar 2. What are you waiting for? Polestar 2. Experience awe-inspiring performance combined with luxury design as standard. The time is now. The all-electric Polestar 2. To learn more, book a test drive and order today at polestarcolumbus.com. Polestar 2. It's time Come. When we talk about placing the blame, it's fans and media, we need scapegoats. We need to try to rationalize why a team that has had so much regular season, season success that is on paper as good as the, as the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Cincinnati Bengals, why they're falling short when it matters the most. So we're, we're trying to rationalize it. So us as fans, we can't we can't put it on the star franchise quarterback. Because he's not going anywhere. He's going to be part of the team for the next decade. Yep. If, we, if we push it on the defense, then we can somewhat be like, well, they, they, cost, they cost our star quarterback a chance at winning a Super Bowl. Um, you put it on the assistants, you could say, well, they're, they're letting down our, our head coach. It's, it's always, you're always moving the goalpost of what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, who to blame, who not to blame. And Leslie Frazier was a, was a favorite target, but he's no longer here. So the fans need someone else 
to put that pressure on. And, and you are right. Uh, the offense was not good in the playoffs this year. And the defense wasn't that great either in the Cincinnati game. Yeah. But the, the Miami game, the defense was fine. The issue is they were playing Skylar Thompson, and fans are going to say, well, you should shut him down. Uh, fans overlook, like you said, the Baltimore performance. Fans even overlook how the Bills' defense shut down Jacksonville back in 2017. Uh, it's it's one of those things where when you consistently have a great top three defense, you're expected to be great when you're making a run. And unfortunately, this football is not what it was in 2005, in 1993, or whatever random year, 15 to 30 to 40 years ago, when a defense could carry you to a Super Bowl. It's one of those things where when you're playing the Kansas Cities of the world, when you're playing the Cincinnati's of the world, you might allow 25 points and you need your offense to, to just outscore them. And uh, the one thing I will say about the Miami game, uh, that was a poor performance by Josh. The, the Bills held Miami to 231 yards. Josh had a fumble that resulted in a touchdown. He had two interceptions that gave Miami a shorter field. Miami scored a lot of their points on shorter fields. But but going back to the, the whole Sean McDermott situation, everybody wants young offensive-minded head coaches. Well, the Bills already have a top five offense in the league. What is a young mm -hmm. offensive-minded head coach going to give the Bills that they don't already have offensively? Well, maybe they can improve the scheme. Well, I, I, I can understand that, but does changing the scheme suddenly get this team from 28 and a half points a game to 31 and a half points a game? Probably not. Probably doesn't make that tremendous of a difference overall. And you're even seeing people scapegoat uh, Ken Dorsey. And yes, there's things that are wrong that need to be adapted, but people even forget, like the Bills entered last year wanting to run more 12 personnel and O.J. Howard just fails miserably. They wanted to use the middle of the field and Jamison Crowder gets hurt early in the year. Like there's reasons why... Coaches sometimes don't do things scheme-related and don't make the, the changes that you want. It's because sometimes they don't have the players to do what they, they would otherwise do. And I do give credit to uh, Cincinnati's coaching staff for making adjustments and being better in the, the postseason than the, were the regular season. But if you're consistently good, the expectation is that's eventually going to happen. And let's talk about some of the head coaches that you mentioned earlier. Um, first of all, Sean Payton. His career record in the playoffs, nine and eight. Mike Tomlin, his career record in the playoffs, eight and nine. Uh, we're not talking about guys that have had a ton of success in the playoffs. They both won their Super Bowl. So we think of them as these elite coaches, but they're not winning Super Bowls. They're not dominating on a yearly basis. They won their one. Sean McDermott wins one Super Bowl, say next year, and suddenly he's going to be considered top three coach in all of football. And if we're really going to go off a playoff record, a Pete Carroll is 11 and 11. He has one of the best playoff records in the history of the NFL. The 12th, he has the 11th most wins in playoff history in the NFL. Mike McCarthy, 11 and 10, tied for the, the 10th or 11th most wins in playoff history. We're talking about guys like Pete Carroll and Mike McCarthy right now. Playoff record is something that fans take out of context. The Bills definitely need to have more success, but there's nothing from their past that says that they won't or never will have that, that run. They just haven't done it yet. And if you continue having, piling on these seasons, the odds say that you will eventually have that run if you continue playing at this level, which gets me to my the last thing I will really say about Sean McDermott and why I, I like the move. Counter to what a lot of people will say about Sean McDermott, I actually think his adaptability 
is one of his strengths. I hear so many fans talking about how he doesn't game plan well or he doesn't make changes or adjustments in game. All of that is bogus. Like he does make changes and he makes changes on the fly. And the whole thing of halftime adjustments, that's crap. Like NFL coaches and players will tell you they don't have enough time in halftime to evaluate the first half film and make changes at that point. They're consistently changing every time their unit is off the field. And I'll, I'll give a little bit of an example about how Sean McDermott has adapted his philosophies and how he's changed throughout the years. When 2017-2018, one of the most conservative coaches in the league, very run heavy, uh, did not was not aggressive, was honestly it was a boring offense. They had Rick Dennison in year one. They fire him. Mm-hmm. They bring in Brian Dable. Year two of Josh Allen against the Jets at the Meadowlands, the, the comeback game in the, the season opener. They threw the ball, like, the first 19 plays of the game. It was yeah. insane. And they didn't have a lot of success. They, they they turned it over a few times. It was sloppy. But there was moments of promise. And at that moment in time, that's when I realized they are going to do whatever possible to make sure that they let Josh Allen reach his potential. They're not going to handicap him. They're going to, they're throwing him out there. If you want to be a heavy throw offense, heavy pass offense, do your thing, Josh. You're, you're, you're either going to be successful or you're going to go out flaming, but we're not going to have excuses for why you didn't get there. Now, as the year went on, they realized they had to run the ball a little bit more and they had to protect him a little bit. But as the season went on, Josh built up that confidence. And at the end of the year, he was a different player than what he was at the beginning. And that's when Bills fans started realizing, maybe we have something here. And that's when the, the battles with the media over how good Josh really is started arising. Fast forward to 2020, dominance, over the top, all this stuff. But then teams start switching the two-man safety uh, too high, and, and the Bills had to start changing things. So 2021, they get the loss to Pittsburgh early on. The Bills are f- throwing it left and right. They're having a lot of success, but they're also having some struggles uh, at times early in that season. Bills go to seven and six. What did we start to see the Bills do late in the 2021 season? They started running the rock. They started pounding it with Singletary. They started having success with some of their dump off passing. They, They started mixing things up. McDermott has shown throughout the years, he's willing to change things up. Now, the issue is everybody's going to give credit to, to Brian Dable. But Brian Dable's also doing what McDermott, within a, a philosophy that McDermott has to okay. So the offense has reached elite level status, and it's been consistent. And I promise I'll wrap this up in a, a second, Hans. I'm sorry for <laughs> you're going on. You're wrong, fine. Keep going. This wrong ramp. So the offense has improved. The offense has adapted. The, all the criticisms of McDermott early in his career was that he was never going to let the offense be itself, be what it needed to be to be an elite NFL offense. He. He totally let go, let them do what they needed to. Defensively, they have always been very good to recently elite in the last couple of years. And if you go to DVOAs, the Bills were fourth in 2020, they were second in 2021, and they were first last year. They are consistently making elite, they're consistently bringing forth elite metric teams on a yearly basis. What else more? Could you want out of a head coach other than win a Super Bowl? He and I'll, and I'll outline it like this: We have seen the consistent year to year to year success. 
We have seen the development of the most important position in the NFL, who many people on the outside said was the riskiest pick of the 2018 NFL draft. We have seen a defensive unit, which is McDermott's specialty, consistently be elite. We've seen an offense not be handicapped by a defensive head coach. We have seen the development. We have seen adaptability. The only thing we have not seen is the Bills take care of business in the playoffs. And if people think that is the reason to fire a head coach and potentially hire someone much worse, that defies logic. That defies reason. I am just as angry that they have fallen short the last three years as anyone else, Uber. But the whole thought process they haven't done it so they never will yeah it is it's lacking and you know what if you're gonna fire mcdermott you better get sean McVay. you better get uh one of these great great proven coaches to replace him because if you're not gonna get one of these young elite head coaches that you know will will maybe up it to another level you're taking a mighty risk and if chances are you'll get worse before you get better. And to, and not to even mention Terry Pagula has handled so much misery and changes on the Sabre side of things. You think he sees that and wants to go through that with the Bills? He likes this continuity. He, he I'll tell you this. The reason Terry made this move regard, besides the success on the field is he, they've heard probably some of the murmurs and the people saying he should be on the, the hot seat. And this just shuts them up. This says he's safe. That's not a discussion. End of story. Yeah, um, you you said a word that that I've like in full caps in my notes. Continuity. I, I think that's incredibly important in the modern NFL. Um, and continuity up top with your head coach and your GM while having a franchise quarterback is just a draw for other players to come here. It's easier to say to other players, Hey, come here. We know that it's going to be the same head coach next year. We know it's going to be the same GM next year. We know how they work with everybody. And you, meanwhile, you have a franchise quarterback. I, I believe that's a reason Von Miller came to Buffalo. I don't think he comes here if there's some churn over in the head coaching. Um, but I think basically everything you said right there is, is, where I'm at right now with Sean McDermott. And one thing we kind of, I don't think we glossed over, but just haven't brought up yet is last year. I I can't remember in my lifetime and I'm probably, you know, maybe too young to know some other team that went through similar things or maybe other fan bases did. And I'm just not wary of it. What the bills went through as an organization last year, what these players went through on and off the field, whether it be injuries to people like DeMar Hamlin, um, Dane Jackson getting taken off the field on a, on, in an ambulance, you had, you know, tragedy after tragedy in Buffalo, uh, Kim Pagula, her illness that affects the entire organization. Sean McDermott was integral in keeping this team together to a point that they went 13 and three, won the division for the third straight season, went into the playoffs, won a playoff game for the third straight season, progressing, and then ultimately ran out of juice and just got run over by the Bengals. And, and I don't really necessarily think that's an excuse that they should be able allowed to use that they ran out of juice. The Bills got outplayed. The Bengals were better than them. But everything before that moment in time 
I think Sean McDermott's hands were all over. And I can't fathom that there's another individual in the NFL that could have handled all of that adversity in the same manner that Sean McDermott did, lifting his players up constantly. And for that and every other reason we've kind of laid out, I, I just I can't see another head coach succeeding in Buffalo the way he is right now. That doesn't mean that I won't be upset if this year we don't win a Super Bowl or next year we don't win a Super Bowl. But I at least think we have a chance with Sean McDermott um, kind of at the helm, as long as Josh Allen and other players like him are still with the Bills. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up culture because that's something that I didn't even get to. But going through all that stuff is pretty incredible that the Bills found a way to still put together the season that they did. And furthermore, this is a thing that's so confusing to me, honestly, about the playoff failures that the Bills have had, is that typically you always talk about wanting to play your best football heading into the postseason. The Bills have been great heading into the postseason the last three years. You think about the 13-3 and season in 2020. They lost the Hail Mary against Arizona. And then they, I believe, won something like eight in a row heading into Kansas City in the AFC Championship. They were red hot. They just ran into a team that was better than them at that time. Even the 7-6 and six team, they win the last four games of the regular season. Then they have the perfect game offensively against New England. So they had a five-game winning streak heading into Kansas City in 13 seconds. Last year, eight-game winning streak heading into the Cincinnati contest. So they are playing good football heading into these games. I, we've just gotten so used to their dominance and their uh, amazing point differential and their, their blowouts that when they win close games, we feel like it's a loss almost at this point. And yeah. even in the regular season, the Bills have beaten Kansas City the last two times uh, on the road, which is basically who you're comparing to at the top of the league. So it's not that the Bills can't get past the best in the league. It's that they haven't done it when it matters. And ultimately, that's what we need to figure out. How do we get it done when it matters? Is it something philosophical? Is it something about players not bringing it in the important moments, or did they just run out of gas last year? Whatever the reasons are, they need to find a way to eliminate those going forward. I will say last year they were dealing with a ton. Uh, injuries throughout the year, you think about the off-the-field stuff, obviously DeMar, Kim, the Buffalo shooting. It, it was just a, an awful year for stuff that they had to endure. And Sean McDermott kept them together. And as we finish the, the Sean McDermott point, I'll ask you this. I'll ask the audience this. If you're to fire Sean McDermott, who are you going to hire to replace him that you expect better results from? And if your answer is uh, Sean Payton, if it was a guy like Mike Tomlin, we already discussed that earlier in the show. Their playoff records show it's really it's, it's hit or miss. Sean Payton, the, the golden boy, he had three consecutive years of Drew Brees in his prime where they missed the playoffs. So... <laughs> Where they went seven and nine, I believe, in most of those years. So uh, let, let's be real. Even a Hall of Fame coach like Sean Payton missed the playoffs three straight years with the, the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks in football. So uh, that just shows uh, even these great coaches fall short outside of Bill Belichick. And if we're going to be comparing everybody to Bill Belichick, that is just not a realistic standard. We're talking about the greatest coach in the history of football. And there's no one even close unless you go back to like the days of Jim Brown predating the NFL where Jim Brown, not, not Jim Brown, pardon me. Um, Paul Brown, the, the coach back in the day of the Cleveland Browns and then taking over Cincinnati Bengals and uh, obviously had some time at Ohio state. So 
Uh, looks like we might have just lost uh, Uber for a second, but we're going to keep this going on either way. Hopefully, Uber, we can get you back on the show in just a second. The next part of this conversation is obviously going back to Brandon Bean. Uber, good to have you back. Don't know if you're yeah. or not, but uh, just moving on to Brandon Bean's part of this right now. We, we, we kind of laid it out with Sean McDermott, all the overwhelming reasons why he deserves to stay. The playoff record, that needs to be fixed. They need to make a run for the Super Bowl. But I think it's even more cut and dry with Brandon Bean because he's the architect of what has happened here. Uh, McDermott has taken the roster and turned them into winners. But this roster has been Brandon Bean's uh, golden boy going all the way back to when he first came here in 2017 and I don't know if you remember, I surely do, that first summer when the Bills got took on all the dead cap space that they did, yep. mm-hmm. trading guys like Sammy Watkins to L.A., getting a guy like E.J. Gaines back, getting rid of Marcel Darius later uh, in the offseason, uh, goes on and on and on, uh, bringing in Jordan Matthews, all these guys. And let's be real, most Bills fans at that point in time, thought they were tanking, and from that point forward, it's been nothing but a lot of great moves. We'll outline the good and the bad, but first off, what was your view on the Bean extension? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw less controversy with Bean being extended, right? I think there's a lot more uh, negative takes on Sean McDermott than there are negative takes on Brandon Bean. I've seen a couple people say that you know, they have issues with the way Brandon Bean drafts or um, they might have Brandon Bean ranked at like the 10th best GM or maybe top We're 16. We're going to get into those drafts, by the way, too, because yeah. that's a narrative I really do want to want to address. Oh, yeah. And I have some comments on that for sure. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I supported the Sean McDermott signing and I supported the Brandon Bean one just as much. And I'm, I'd also say. I think that these two are just a pair. They're a package deal, right? Like they work so well together that you can't have somebody that comes like, for instance, Bill Belichick is the general manager of the Patriots for all intents and purpose. You couldn't have someone here um, replacing Sean McDermott like a Bill Belichick, because then you get rid of Brandon Bean. Like, so if you get rid of one, you got to get rid of both. And I, I just can't see that happening, especially with the way, Brandon Bean's built this roster the past two years. We look at the roster last year. It was so good. People were talking about the Bills like, oh, they're going to, they're undefeated, Super Bowl favorites, blah, 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 all this stuff. Injuries kind of changed the roster construction, but the roster was built in a way that it still could kind of stand on its own two, two feet and was a massive reason they went 13 and three. You fast forward to this season, I personally think the roster is better this season than it was last year, which is insane to say. And meanwhile, people um, have the Bills not making the playoffs. I forgot who said that on Twitter today, but uh, just insane takes out there. Um, we're, yeah, Brandon we're Bean. That for the end of the show. We're saving that take for the end of the okay, show. Okay, perfect. Yeah, Brandon Bean, he's a... Man, he's a top five GM in the league, and I'd really have to think hard who are, who are four people I'd put ahead of him because I don't really think there are four guys I'd put ahead of him. And that's the thing that sucks about this. The Bills win that one Super Bowl. There's This isn't even a discussion. This is cut and dry. This is easy. But in a, an era, in a, in a league where Super Bowls and championships determine who is considered the greats versus who's not, that's always going to be a, a sticking point. I, I used to say this all the time um, in stuff like hockey, baseball, um, NCAA tournament and basketball. 
Just because you win the championship doesn't mean that you are the best. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. Because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Regular season consistent success over year over year after year says you're the best. A championship means that you won four games in a row or three games in a row and you put together a nice run at a quality time. Now, champions that do it repeatedly are considered amongst the best because they had they, they had repeated their success. They have shown that they can step up to the adversity. And even when they're being challenged and they're no longer the challenger, they can continue to get it done. But a team like the LA Rams from a few years ago, I did not consider that team the best team in football that year. They got it done when it mattered. Congrats to them. That's the the goal. That's all that truly matters in North American pro sports. But there's other leagues across the world, like the Premier League in soccer, where first place at the end of the year wins you the championship. Uh, we're kidding ourselves if we think um, in that NCAA tournament, the best team is winning the, the national championship every year. For crying out loud, we had Florida Atlantic, Miami, and uh, San Diego State in the Final Four last year uh, in basketball. And UConn won, but nobody, I think, would say UConn was a top five team heading into the NCAA tournament. So in, in sports, sometimes we, we fall vulnerable to in the moment. And I, I saw a good point here um, that brought up in a league uh, full of injuries, cheating, dudes chasing money, a million other factors. It's a miracle to win a Super Bowl. And it basically, based on what we're showing, can be. Uh, it's just that sometimes the greats like a Tom Brady or a Patrick Mahomes can be outliers uh, in that scenario. Aaron Rodgers has one championship. Drew Brees won one championship. Peyton Manning needed a defense to carry him to a second championship. So we always say this. Last year, the Bills started the year as the preseason Super Bowl favorites. But the numbers showed they had less than a 12% chance of actually winning the Super Bowl. We miss, we, we, we often misanalyze things. We hear favorites and we think that means they have to get it done. That's not what the numbers are saying. It means out of all the teams, they have the highest probability, but it's still very unlikely that they're going to win. When they enter the playoffs, the, the normally the Super Bowl champs, uh, the Super Bowl favorites entering a postseason have a 25% chance. And that's because they have a bye and they have home field advantage, but still only a one in four. So the numbers say more often than not, you're not going to win, even with a great team. And I think that's what people need to um, understand a little bit more. Uh, if you're saying one in four, you give the Bills four seasons of them being the best team in football, they might win one championship. So the, the Patriots won six titles with Tom Brady, but Brady was their quarterback for about 18 years. So mm -hmm. there was still 
more double the years that they didn't win a Super Bowl than years that they did win a Super Bowl. And, and that's context that we have to, to apply to this. But looking at Brandon Bean, and I loved how you said you basically attach Bean and McDermott on the hip. And that's why I'm going to also kind of loop Bean in with McDermott going back to 2017. You look at the, the big moves that were made. Who knows if Bean was in on them or McDermott was advising management, Pagula, what they wanted. The franchise-altering moves, you go back to 2017, were bringing in Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, drafting Trey White. You established a secondary right there. And that was what built this defense that allowed the Bills to have the leeway that they had that first season making the playoffs with an underperforming offense that then gave McDermott and being the security to go out and draft a guy like Josh Allen in 2018 and not be afraid of the ramifications of will he succeed? Will he fail? Because they knew they could give him the proper amount of time to develop him and give him the patience of not forcing him. I know we saw action uh, right away as a rookie, but they didn't need to uh, force his hand. And I want to first start this over, if you're okay with this, by, by going through the draft classes. We'll, we'll skip uh, 2017 just because some people are probably would probably bring up, well, Doug Whaley was the GM at the time, blah, 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 whatever. We'll skip that uh, for the sake of this conversation. But let's go back to 2018. We all know the, the first-round picks. Josh Allen, home run. But that was a huge Huge risk at that time with Josh Rosen on the board. And a lot of fans wanted the Bills to make a move for Sam Darnold. I was one of them at that time. Uh, people thought Baker Mayfield could fall back. There was a lot of debate. Who are these quarterbacks? Who's the best? Some people even like Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen was not a consensus, he's going to be great in the league type player. He was more of a, he's going to bust. And whichever organization is going to take a risk on him, reap the rewards or uh, face the consequences. Got Tremaine Edmonds later in the, the first round. We can all say he's turned out pretty well in the NFL. You had Harrison Phillips in the third round. That's been a success, even though uh, no longer with the organization. Taron Johnson in the fourth round. One of the best nickel corners in the league. Uh, you want to talk about Siren Neal as a, as a quality special teamer uh, in the fifth. Wyatt Teller later in the fifth. So first draft class without Doug Whaley having his name over it. Home run. Go to 2018. Uh, I, I'm just going to go through this quick, and then I'll let you go on for, for yeah. a while. But it, it, go to the 2019 draft. Ed Oliver, first round. Good player. Maybe he's a little bit of an overreach. Not the end of the world. Cody Ford is going to be the one that everybody's going to point out as a big miss in the second round. And, and that's the theme, really, that you're going to probably get from the second, third round was has been the issue area. Devin Singletary in the third round success. Dawson Knox in the third round, huge success. Talking about a guy that never even caught a touchdown in college coming into the NFL and switching from tight end, from quarterback to tight end in his college career to now being one of the better tight ends in the league. You have, uh, and then that was pretty much for that draft. It was a little weak in the later rounds. 2020, you end up getting AJ Apeneza. People are going to be a little disappointed in that pick. Showing some promise last year. Maybe he has a development. Zach Moss, obviously, is the big miss. But in that draft, you still got Gabriel Davis in the fourth round, which people could say whatever they want about Gabriel Davis. Maybe he's not number two or a good enough number two in some people's eyes. I think he is. You got him in the fourth round. That's value. And then you had Tyler Bass in the sixth round, who 
is a reliable quality kicker that can bomb it from deep. That's value there. Isaiah Hodgins in the sixth round. We saw in New York, he does have some game. Maybe they misevaluated him for what his role on the Bills. And then Dane Jackson in the seventh round, who's shown that he could step up and start. And we'll just go to – I'll wrap it up with 2021. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 2021 draft, Greg Rousseau in the first round. Tremendous hit on that one. Boogie Basham, Spencer Brown, still a lot of questions with them. Like, what are they going to be? Uh, Is there potential that's going to be met? Are they going to be – are they going to fall short and be bust? It's – this year is going to go far away with both of them. And then DeMar Hamlin in the sixth round. What my main takeaway, talking about his drafts, and we'll then go into free agency later on, is that early on in Bean's career in Buffalo, when he had those top 10 picks, when he had those top 15 picks, he got guys. He, he hit. Josh Allen, no one's ever going to give Bean the credit – in hindsight now that he deserves, but that was the ballsiest pick that he has made in Buffalo. And it was the biggest home run. The bills are nowhere near where they are today without the courage to take him. The, the Tremaine Edmonds, the, the Harrison Phillips picks, uh, people are going to criticize that Oliver at nine, but at the time that was the right decision. Mm-hmm. The Dawson Knox uh, picks like Gregory Russo. There are hits in there. Uh, he has brought in quality players to the draft where the misses have been in the second, third round with, with some of the linemen on both sides of the ball, Cody Ford, um, Boogie uh, to this point, uh, AJ not living up to that high expectation, but people, I think what happens Uber is after years and years of success, they, they're always looking to fill that hole and people want to fill that hole through the draft. And it's not as easy when you're picking at 27, 28, 29 as you are picking at 9, 10, 11. When you're picking in the top 15, you for sure should get someone that's going to be a quality starter in the NFL. Picking at the end of the first round, you're starting to go after these, these second-round quality guys, and it's not a guarantee. He needs to improve in that area, uh, no doubt about it. But we even talked about some of the hits late. Taron Johnson, uh, DeMar Hamlin is developing into a nice – uh, backup safety uh, if he's able to return to the field. There are hits. There are guys that are going to be quality NFL players. And this whole narrative of he can't draft is a little bit overblown because, it, as we said earlier, where if you have a 7-9 and nine roster and you win nine, game, nine games as head coach, that's a successful season. If you're drafting 27th and you're drafting in the bottom each round, it's not about having the best draft in the league every year. It's about drafting to where you are at or drafting exceeding your expectations. And some of these years, he's been a little bit lower and then some years a little bit higher. But it's not like he's been drastically underneath the expectations of where his draft position and value is. Yeah, I, and actually I've, ri- I've written about this for cover one that, you know, there's – has to be a more of a focus from fans on kind of return on your investment. The bills start with less capital in the draft because they're a good football team. They're not the jets that have three first round picks, two in the top 10 every year because the jets stink. They're the bills who are constantly competing for a super bowl every year. So they're going to be at the end of the first round. And I think one good thing I saw kind of on Twitter this year was the narrative. um, Like the truthful narrative came out that there's really only like 15 first round picks. 
every year that, that are deserving of being drafted in the first round, 15 to 20, let's say. So the Bills are almost always outside of that realm where they can't get a first-round player in the first round, meaning they have to reach on guys, reach on prog projects. Greg Rousseau was a reach on a project. He he, he didn't even play the previous year. Um, he sat, sat out due to COVID, and I think he had only played one year of college ball. He was incredibly raw, but they reached on him because they saw potential there. They reached on a player like Spencer Brown, probably, because they saw potential there. And I, I think that's a big part to kind of look at with the Bills. I, I, there's another criticism the Bills don't play their young players, and there's some evidence that suggests that's true. There's other that suggests it's not completely true. Um, but they get players that have potential, and if that potential hits, they hit home runs. They hit home runs with players like Josh Allen. I know somehow Tremaine Evans is polarizing. They hit a home run with Tremaine Evans. He is a very, very good middle linebacker. The Chicago Bears will tell you that because they paid him a boatload of money, and he was so young, it didn't even really make sense that he could be that good. I, I look at Brandon Bean's drafts, and I know people are going to criticize him, and they always bring up Cody Ford, and they they bring up you know they'll bring Corey, up Boogie Basham, which I AJ. yeah, but we still haven't even seen. There might be something there with Boogie. Like he's going in his third season. If he doesn't show anything this year, then then maybe. I'll change my mind there. AJ had six and a half sacks last year. That's pretty dang good. Granted, maybe not the second round, you know, production that you want. And people also ignore the fact that they traded a bunch of assets assets to go get Stefan Diggs, So they didn't even have a first round pick in 2020. Brandon Bean is a very good drafting general manager. And when you compare him to his peers, which I think a lot of people choose not to do, and they always forget to do when you compare him to his peers, he's one of the premier drafting general managers in the NFL, but people look at him in a vacuum. And that's where you have these issues where that people that say, well, he's not a great drafting general manager. That, that's a completely false statement. He's a very good drafting general manager. I'm with you hundred percent on that Uber. And in, it's also about being evaluate your own roster. Where are your weaknesses? Where are your holes? I, I think that's one of the things that Brandon Mean is tremendous at. He looks at this team. He he knows what they need to improve on. Now, you don't always have the home run guy available to, to improve that area. And I think that's where some of the, the struggles and um, angst among fans has been is with the defensive line at times, people have wanted more of a pass rush. And when they do invest high capital – and a guy like Boogie Basham or AJ Apeneza, and the one thing you're missing is a pass rush. You're wanting those instantaneous results. It doesn't always happen that way, especially when you're investing second, third round picks in the position. Uh, it's way less likely that a second rounder is going to be ready to, to be a sack monster year one um, or year two than it is somebody in the top 10, 15 of a draft. And, and most general managers and NFL front offices will tell you if you're a solid NFL roster, like if you're, you're a decent roster, I'm not, not great, not horrible. Your first round pick is expected to start for you right away. Your second round pick is a guy that you're hoping can slot into uh, your lineup year one at times, but you're, you're thinking it's probably going to take a year of growth and development for them to be a starter in your team. Kind of the same way with the third round pick, the upper third round picks, you're hoping to give them a year uh, and then we can we can slot them into a starting lineup. The fourth round, fifth round picks, you're thinking special teams uh, and development, and hopefully they can get to be a spot where you're playing them. And anything later than that, sixth, seventh round, you're looking primarily special teams, and do they have something that long-term can earn their way uh, onto some onto the field for playing time. So I, I think sometimes we, we got too used to the Bills being bad. 
to where the second, yeah. third, fourth round picks would come in and, and would play a lot right away. And we see a team like Kansas City play a lot of rookies last year, and fans are wondering, well, why isn't that happening here? Why isn't that happening? Well, the, the issue why it happened in Kansas City and why it didn't happen here last year, yes, McDermott is a little bit conservative with playing time with young guys. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that definitely plays a role. But it's not as much as what the narrative would tell you it is. Kansas City played a lot of their young guys because after all these years with Mahomes, they're finally running into some issues with the cap. They've had to make some tough decisions. They've had to let good players go. They were also battling a ton of injuries uh, at times. So they had to play young players in order to get by. And in the long run, it helped them in the playoffs because when they had to rely on some of those young players, they were NFL ready and they made quality plays. Did they win because of the young players, though? Not really. Like, yeah, they, they might make a play here or there. They won because they have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and a defense that made timely plays. That's why they that's why they won the Super Bowl last year. The, to those in Buffalo that are saying, well, if the Bills just played their rookies last year, they would have been better. No, absolutely not. And that doesn't mean I don't think that these young players in Buffalo have potential. I, I, I think of defensive end sometimes like I do uh, a forward, a power forward or a center in college basketball. We always say in college basketball, or it used to be that way, that it takes th- two to three years to even warrant putting a big man on the court because – they're so slow and it takes some time to develop to the game speed. They're not ready. They have the size, but they're raw, not physically ready, not mentally ready, and not skilled enough to, to take the, the battle that they're going to face on the court uh, in college basketball. Well, it's kind of the same when you're going in the NFL and you're in your big man. Look at what the Bills did with, with Epineza and Boogie Basham changing their body frames, their composition. Yeah. That's a lot on a young person. And then you're going up against the best in the world. Surprise, surprise, they weren't dominant in year one. It, it takes some time. And we did see a little bit of a of a rise from Epineza last year with the six and a half sacks. We'll see if he can get more consistency. Jack Lawson, when we had Rex Ryan, it took him a little while before developing into a quality NFL player. He wasn't great early on, but he turned into someone that warranted a second contract, got a third contract, and he's now been a veteran in a league where a lot of players don't make it past three, four years. So... I don't want to give up on those guys. I'm not going to say they're going to be pro bowlers or, or great players, but I do think uh, we'll see how it, how it works out long-term with some of them. Where I really love Brandon Bean, though, isn't his drafts, although I do give him credit for those. Yeah. Where I love Brandon Bean is goes back to his self-evaluation of this roster and thinking to himself, what do I need to do to make this team better? So when he first came to Buffalo, as I mentioned, he destroyed everything. He's like, we're going to take all this dead cap. We're getting rid of these guys. These guys have no part of our future. We don't need Watkins. Uh, we don't need uh, Darius. We don't need all these overpaid, expensive players that just don't fit our culture. They don't fit what we're trying to build here. Gone. Goodbye. And they knew there would be some lumps. Honestly, I think they expected to miss the playoffs year one and get a top 10 pick and not have to trade up to get Josh Allen. But it worked out where they were able to get Josh Allen and have success year one. But you look at some of the guys that that Brandon Bean has brought in, and it's incredible. I'll I'll go back to the early days. The moves to bring in Cole Beasley and John Brown revolutionized the offense. Suddenly, you gave your young quarterback guys that he felt confident that he could get the ball to, separators. We started seeing that confidence grow from Josh. Uh, We've seen uh, under-the-radar moves on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, a big move at the time that we forget about, Mitch Morse at center. 
giving Josh a reliable center that he can feel confident in, that that will be good in in be able to help him read what he's he's seeing from uh, an opposing defense. Big under the radar move. Um, and then obviously the trade for Stefan Diggs. I know people are talking about Justin Jefferson now. And yes, in the long run, if the Bills would have known that Justin Jefferson would have been that guy, maybe they would have taken him. But remember, the Bills were trying to take that leap from being a good team to being a great team. They needed that alpha male. They needed that that star, that stud receiver. Stephon Diggs gave them that presence in the locker room. And then even last offseason, I know he's older, and who knows how this contract's going to work out uh, as time goes by. But to, to have the culture, to have the, the team and the, the people and staff to convince a guy, a future Hall of Famer like Von Miller, to come to Buffalo. Ten years ago, he wouldn't even take a phone call. He would laugh at the Bills. I know – don't bring up Mario Williams. They're not even in the same league. <laughs> Although I do respect Mario, and I do think Mario Williams was a better build than people give him credit for in hindsight as well. So you have a guy that's not afraid of making the big moves, but also not afraid to make the smart moves that maybe aren't going to get the credit. And then this offseason, I think we have seen his brilliance go to a whole, whole nother level with the limited salary cap room that he had. To bring in five guys, four or five guys that have started on other teams that are willing to take potentially lesser roles on this Bill squad and also fit in with some of their cap numbers is unbelievable. We Let's be real. When we were going into this offseason, the whole talk from Bill's Mafia after the Cincinnati loss was, uh, I, I guess here comes our regression. We don't have this cap room. We're going to have to let go of Poyer. We're going to have to lose Edmonds. Uh, this is going to only get tougher. We don't have the room to, to bring good quality guys in. Well, it's the Smuckers Uncrustables podcast with your host, Uncrustables. Okay, today's guest is rough around the edges. Please welcome Crust. Thanks for having me. Today's topic, he's round with soft pillowy bread. Hey. Filled with delicious PB&J. Are you talking about yourself? And you can take him anywhere. Why'd you invite And we are out of time. Are you really cutting me off? Uncrustables are the best part of the sandwich. Sorry, crust. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. What did you do? You signed Puna Ford. So now you can go too deep at D-Tackle. You bring in Leonard Floyd. He'll get you by until Vaughn returns. And then once Vaughn returns, you got three quality defensive ends that you feel good about. You mm-hmm. resigned Jordan Poirier somehow. Because his market wasn't as good, you anticipated it. Rather than give him all the money beforehand just to keep him, you took a gamble, and the gamble won. You add guys at, for quality wide receiver depth. You improve the the offensive line, bringing guys like Connor McGovern, David Edwards, both guys that have started on other NFL teams. You bring in a, a second-string safety who had started the last three years in L.A. and Taylor Rapp. This team now has top-level starters, and you have depth behind it, which is 
really incredible because you didn't have really the resources going into the offseason to make moves like that. It's people have to buy into what you're doing. And to me, I give being a, a tremendous amount of credit for being patient in, in kind of taking this approach. The Bills already have five all pro, former all, five all pro players on their defense. You have Vaughn, you have Trey, Micah, Jordan, Matt, Milano, and now you're adding to it. I, I, I think that is an amazing thing that Brandon Bean has done. And, and I don't want people to think it's all, it's all positive. It's all perfect. Everything is great. But, but I think the message I want to give to Bills fans is, especially Bills fans that have seen the, the bad days, is don't take what the Bills are doing now for granted. What they're doing is very special. And although they have fallen short of the ultimate goal, they are doing everything in their willpower to bring this team to a Super Bowl, to win a Super Bowl. And as we've said a few times in this show already today, just because they haven't done it yet doesn't mean it won't happen. And this regime, McDermott, Bean, they're doing everything to, to make sure that they're going to have as many opportunities going forward as, as possible. And that's why I, I think this extension just makes all the sense in the world. And to the outside world, to the, the people across the nation, they're like, well, your team hasn't won a Super Bowl. Well, what are, you, what are your teams doing? Well, where are your teams at? Because unless you're Kansas City, unless you're, you're Cincinnati or Philadelphia, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear Dolphins fans telling me, oh, look at the Bills extended. Good for them. The Bills have won the division three years in a row. Talk to me when you guys take over that. Jets fans, you, you just went after a 40-year-old quarterback. Enjoy your one or two years, and then good luck after that. I'm glad we have the people in place that we have. Because not only do they show a priority to make sure that they're as competitive as possible on a yearly basis, they're also showing you in their moves that they have the long-term plan in place as well. They're not sacrificing this year. They're, I mean, they're not sacrificing the long-term just for winning this year. And some people will say, well, the Rams won a Super Bowl. Maybe you should do what the Rams did. The Rams won a Super Bowl. Credit to them. They're one of the examples where it paid off. They got lucky. It paid off. The math says you give yourself seven, eight years of doing this, you give yourself a much higher probability. If it's 10% one year, you're one of the top three, four teams in the NFL over five, six years. Now your odds are 40%, 50%. These coaches, these GMs are mathematically mind, minded people. They're following the numbers. They're following the probabilities. And to me, that's the way you should be doing it in the modern day NFL. Yeah. yeah I mean, just to kind of reiterate everything you said, I, I, I mean, I, think the way that I sum it up is look the Bills are winning an abnormal number of football games at a consistent rate that that doesn't happen in the NFL it, the consistent success is not a thing that happens all the time in the NFL I, in fact the Bills have what the second longest playoff streak going in the NFL behind only the Kansas City Chiefs like there's so much to appreciate that's happened over the past few years and I know that the Super Bowl has not fallen into their grasp grasp us yet but like you said the more and more you do this, the better and better you you raise your odds, the better chance you have of winning the Super Bowl. And I, I don't really think that there's anybody I'd want more than Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean at the helm doing this right now. Absolutely, Hans. And I just want to wrap this up with a, a few more things. We're, we, I, I do want to address a, a hot take that uh, was 
tweeted earlier today by Matt Lombardo, which is honestly one of the dumbest things I've seen uh, this entire offseason. And there's been a lot of dumb things this offseason. I, I have to say, Hans, the, the offseason narratives from the national media uh, and the people that are just giving up on this Bills team, is it's just it, it's not unexpected considering the sources of information, but it just confirms to me that I don't need to be watching networks like ESPN and Fox Sports 1 for their for their analysis. I'll enjoy their games. I'll, I'll watch sports there. I, I like the NFL Live crew. But there are so many pundits that are just so uninformed that are saying anything just to get some clicks. And Matt Lombardo had one of the, the crappiest takes of the offseason today. He said the Bills will miss the playoffs. Ducks and hides. Then he was asked, well, do you want to tell me why you're saying that? And he says, well, teams like the Dolphins and um, the Ravens have improved more. Well, uh, as we were saying earlier, and I'll just use my hands for you. If the Bills were here last season and the Dolphins and the Ravens were here, but the Bills just improved a little bit to here, the Dolphins and Ravens could improve all the way up to here. Yeah, huge improvement. Doesn't mean they're better. And, and sometimes people, not all these teams are on even playing fields. It, People are talking about the Bills like last season they were the Dolphins, where they were nine and eight and needed to uh, squeak in at the end. That is not what the metrics say. That is not what the win loss record says. That is not what Vegas says. And I know people are always going to be like, well, wasn't Vegas the guys that predicted the Bills to be the preseason favorites? Yes. But here's what I'm going to say Vegas normally is more accurate with their projections than what fans and national media are. Why? Because Vegas uses math. They use metrics. They use analytics. They use things that the best handicappers in the world use so they make money the majority of the time, taking money from ill-informed fans that don't know what they're talking about. So when Vegas thinks that you're going to be one of the best teams in football, yeah, they might be wrong on a couple teams, they're going to be right more often than they're going to be wrong. So, yes, Vegas said the Bills were going to be the preseason favorites last year, and they didn't win the Super Bowl. You know what the Bills did do? They went 13-3. and three. So uh, that is a point in the Bills' direction. The, the DVOA is the last three years. I said fourth, second, first. The metrics say the Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL. Their offseason additions added on top of one of the best teams in the league. And we're going to miss the playoffs? I guess it's certainly possible, Hans. Like, the AFC is loaded. There are great quarterbacks yeah. in the league. If Josh Allen gets hurt, yeah, and he misses like four or five games, yeah, the Bills can miss the playoffs. But do not tell me that the Bills are going to miss the playoffs because the Dolphins got better or because the Ravens got better and they're missing out on a wild card team. If the Bills miss the playoffs, it's because some of the guys that have come back weren't the same player after their injuries that they were before or that some players regressed as they got older and that they weren't at the same level as they were before guys like Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Trey White, Von Miller, maybe a Leonard Floyd. Is not as impactful of an addition as they want? Maybe the offensive line moves don't work out in the interior, but don't tell me the bills failure is going to be the result of other teams being better than them. That is not the case. The Bills' failures, if they do happen, are going to be a result of them miscalculating on other things within this roster, within this team. Josh underperforming. The defense having an awful season. 
But the reasons that people are mentioning are just ludicrous. They're, they're ridiculous, Hans. They're ridiculous. Yeah, and I just want to kind of harp on one thing you said there. So, so national sources, you know, talking about the Bills, for instance. Um, I, I listen to sports radio all day, every day. Like, that's what I do. I, whatever I'm doing, I have sports radio on. I like listen to it. But it's entertainment. And the more and more I've kind of invested my own time in doing research on, on the Bills in particular, the more and more I realize the national guys just don't know what they're talking about more often than not. And the reason is it's just not possible to know everything in detail about every single team. There's, I, I spend so much time researching the bills and I miss on a ton of stuff. I don't understand how anybody can do it on 32 teams. But so when I listened to these radio shows and there was one, I listened on a 45 minute drive, all they talked about was Stefan Diggs and the bills. I'm, I'm not even kidding when I say everything that they said was wrong and patently false and provingly false. And I just spent the time listening, like saying, what am, what am I doing? Why am I wasting my time doing this? So when I hear people like Michael Lombardo say, oh, the Bills are going to miss the playoffs, ducks and hides. He's doing he's an entertainer. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He, I bet you he doesn't even know Puna Ford signed with the Bills. Things like that. So they, they look at this team and they say, well, here's the national narrative. The national narrative is this team has to regress. I remember that Bengals game. They didn't play well in that game. What they don't remember is Micah Hyde didn't play in that game. Dean Marlowe got hurt in that game and missed that game. I, I, who, I don't even remember who the backup was at that point. It might have been Cam Lewis. Um they don't, you know, think about Jones, they don't think about Jordan Phillips uh, playing exactly. with the Thorne Lambrum. They're not thinking about Matt Milano dealing with what he's doing, uh, dealing yeah. with at that point. All they're going to say is, well, the Bills got destroyed by the Bengals. And no context. None. Yeah. It, and, it, and that's – that's not that's not an excuse. The Bills got beat that day. The Bills got beat yeah, that day. But there's a yeah. lot of things that we need to kind of remember from that game and say, why would the Bills, why wouldn't the Bills regress? Well, here's a reason. Micah Hyde's coming back. Matt Milano's getting healthy. Jordan Poyer's getting healthy. And yeah, those guys are getting older. There is a chance that they could regress in those spots. But to just kind of ignore that entire narrative and say, hey, you know, the Dolphins got better because they added X, Y, and Z. What, what about the Dolphins' offensive line? No one talks about that, right? Well, the Bills' offensive line, in theory, should get better. They brought in two guys that should make the offensive line better. Their defensive line should get better. There's all these things, and there's just lazy, lazy narratives that the national guys are pushing. And a big part of it is because Bills' mafia eats it up. We <laughs> see it, and we got to defend our guys. And, uh, you know, smart on them for doing it, because it does get them those clicks, and numbers don't lie. And, and Uber, some of the guys are – are actors like a Nick Wright. He's not stupid. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. He's riling up Bills fans. He's a Chiefs guy. Uh, he loves the Chiefs uh, being from Kansas City. He's having fun with the Bills Mafia. Like that guy, a guy like Nick Wright, he doesn't even bother me because I know it's an act. What annoys yeah. me is when I have ignorant people on the radio, ignorant uh, hosts on TV that are just putting stuff out there that they have no clue what they're talking about. And I'll put it like this. I'm hyper-focused on the Bills. I, I watch every game. I'm eating up this content. I'm on Twitter every day looking for content, uh, what's going on. I love it. I like. I go on spaces with, with people on a daily basis just because I want to be talking Bills football. But if you ask me the ins and outs of what's going on with the L.A. Rams or the Seattle Seahawks, good luck if I know. That doesn't mean I don't know football, but I, I'm, I'm acknowledging – a smart person acknowledges that they don't know everything. But the problem with the 24-7 news cycle is you're putting a mic in front of people every day and asking them their opinions on stuff. And you're trying to get – you're competing for views, for clicks, for advertising money. And that creates junk. It, it's constant yes. spam that we're getting forced down our, our – forced into our faces that we can't ignore. And it just drives us crazy. And 
the the narratives were so predictable before this season offseason began and it's just going to continue that way the the good news is often when vegas says one thing and the national media goes another way typically vegas is right so i'm going to i'm going to take that all the way to the season i'm going to trust that the over under 10 and a half is trying to bait people into the under because they're hoping that people are buying into the, the Jets and the Dolphins and all the, the hoopla going around there. And I'm not even saying the Jets or the Dolphins can't win the division. Maybe the Bills do fall short. Maybe they win 10 games and get a wild card. But the to miss the playoffs, like are, are we just trying to one take, hot take, uh, every above everybody at this point? And then even the people saying Miami being better, Baltimore being better, like – I, I could see reasons why they would be better and competitive, and maybe they could be a, a team that could make a run in the playoffs next year. Hell, I, I'll even take hot takes that maybe the Browns could be good with Deshaun Watson if he finds his game. But, like, give me some reasons. Give me some rational yes. thinking. Don't just throw exactly. garbage against the wall and hope it sticks. And, and, and that's the thing that uh, has been kind of frustrating me, frustrating to me. And I, I've been avoiding a lot of it, but obviously doing a podcast and you writing the articles for cover one, it's, it's impossible to avoid all of it, especially when we're, we're kind of a sensitive fan base that uh, always gets riled up whenever something like that happens. So the last thing I want to say uh, before we uh, conclude, because I've told you an hour and it's already been an hour and 16 minutes. So I appreciate <laughs> it. I hope you uh, appreciate the Lake George uh, shirt I'm wearing today. Uh, oh, very nice. Yeah, I know. Right I, don't, I, 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 I figured you didn't see it yet, uh, but uh, the last thing I want to say, I've been walking by the, the construction site of the Bills' new stadium uh, for the last month. I, I work nearby. I, I just make a a, a lunch, a, a daily lunch walk of it. And um, driving by on Abbott Road uh, a few days ago, you can finally start to see they're they're getting some depth with some of the digging. And I know it's going to be going on for months here, and uh, we're not going to really see anything built up until uh, the winter time. But I just want to give that update for those that might be out of town that haven't had a chance to really – uh, keep up on much of the Bill Stadium news. Uh, I, I know the team just released a video last week uh, of kind of the behind the scenes. Highly rec- recommend uh, people tuning in, checking that out. Uh, I know there's a lot of skepticism about uh, it being in Orchard Park, open air, no dome. But I, I think watching that video uh, just showed how in-depth this process really is and how much they have really uh, put uh, thoughts into it and, and making it something nice. So, uh, Obviously, a long way to go, but uh, just a small little update. And uh, wanted to toss to you, uh, Uber, as we wrap up. Any final thoughts, anything that you want to get off your chest um, before we conclude tonight? No, I mean, it just simply the Bills are a very good football team. Like, they are a good football team. They have been. There's no reason to really believe that they're going to stop being a good football team. A massive part of that's Josh Allen. Another part of that's Sean McDermott. Another part of that's Brandon Bean. And then all the players in between that. And I think just as a fan base, it's frustrating that the Super Bowl hasn't been kind of handed to the Bills yet. But at some point, the Bills are going to have to just go and claim that. And why not it be 2023 that they do that? I love it. And, and here's the thing. You make your own legacy. The, the yep. Bills have Josh Allen as their franchise quarterback. He's going to be here the next 10 years. Unless some crazy regression or injury somehow happens, knock on wood, he's going to be here. There's going to be opportunities. Let's stop living and dying on every postseason. It's it's going to drive you crazy. I, I love what Bruce Nolan on Twitter always talks about, the, the luck factor. Give yourself as many opportunities and then hope that you eventually capitalize. And I know 
a lot of fans will say stuff like hope isn't a realistic strategy to winning. But the truth of it is hope is literally what gets you to that point. And a lot of times it's more luck than it is ability, uh, unless you have one of the dynasties uh, that the Patriots have had, that the Cowboys have had, that the 49ers have had. If you look at the great teams in the history of football, what did they all have? They had consistency most of the time. They were consistently great over an extended period of time. So keep giving your op- yourself that opportunity uh, to be great and be in it and, and capitalize. And I do have faith that it will eventually get done. I do think Brandon Bean will be the general manager and Sean McDermott will be the head coach. And if for whatever reason it doesn't happen, let's not look back and say, well, these guys just were total failures. They messed up. We don't look back at the 90s Super Bowl teams as failures just because they didn't win. It's disappointing they didn't win. But they were not failures. They were one of the best teams in the history of football. They just didn't get it done. And, yes, we don't want a repeat of that. But let's also not let the Bills pass dictate how we view the future. I think sometimes as a as a football city, as a sports town that has had its fair share of failures and big moments and heartbreaking losses, we let the past impact our views of how we think things should, should be conducted in the future. The fact is, firing Bean, firing McDermott will do no positives for this franchise going forward. They didn't even want to have the pressure even be a thought process They extended them. They're showing a sign of faith. They are here for uh, the time to come, years to come. So it's something that if you don't accept, you're going to have to figure out a way to. Um, I think Hans and I, uh, we're both confident in the direction going forward. And the last thing I want to say before we wrap up the show today, please hit that like button. I know we didn't have Kevin uh, today, but I think Hans, you you filled in admirably. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Uh, Kevin's going to be back in two weeks. We are not going to have a show next week. Fourth uh, of July takes priority over having a Bills podcast that night. Go out, enjoy the holiday, get some hot dogs, watch the fireworks. Uh, I'm going to be enjoying the holidays. Uh, so it's going to be a, a, a great Fourth of July uh, weekend coming up. But uh, like I said, Hans, appreciate you uh, joining the show. Great conversation. Hit the like button, smash the like button, uh, and enjoyed everyone in the comments section today. Um, But uh, we'll all see you two weeks from now. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, and it's caught inside the Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is called in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.